Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. Preach that. We try to preach something different. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness and our really fantastic kids program that has a slide in the middle of the lobby, right? I've seen that. That's pretty cool, actually. Uh, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. And our pastor, who is really well-spoken and looks good, got a full head of hair, and uh, got a great smile. And it's fantastic. You should come. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. And the great show that we have on Sunday mornings, or the great small groups that we have, or the great whatever it is that we're adding to Jesus is not adding to Jesus, taken away, because all we have to offer is Jesus. And so when the church, like we heard from Dr. Moore a few minutes ago, said, we have nothing to offer people but Jesus. And if we can just get to that part as a church, we'll have a lot of relevance, regardless of whether we're big or small. Um, regardless of whether we sing all hymns every Sunday, like we did this morning. Oh, uh, that was a little foreshadowing of after the message. Yeah, more. Um, but, or we sing all contemporary. Whether we meet here on Sundays, or I told, uh, I told well, I didn't tell the elders because Willie uh, couldn't make it, but I told Jim that one of the things I'd like us to do as we look at this thing of, you know, not only do what the scripture says, but obey it, is we talk about serving as being worship. What if we spend a Sunday serving our community in some way? And so, I'd like for us to do so. Whether that's what we do, or we meet here every Sunday and we sing, you know, three to four songs, and here Scripture opened up and we fellowship and whatever, like all that's great. But if we are not offering the one thing that we have to offer and the only thing that we have to offer, uh, we are not going to be relevant. And so, no matter how much we do the other stuff, if we are, if that is the hope that we have, and that is the hope that we're offering, hope we're giving then I think the church is in good shape to be able to reach that 35% of Americans now who do not identify at all. And it's only going to get bigger. Like it's only like in 10 years it's grown. Uh, I'm not a math person, so whatever that is, from 60 Three to seventy-five, whatever that number is. However much that's grown in ten years, that's how much percentage is grown. Like that's huge. Like that's a lot of people. Um, and if we can, we're really well positioned to be able to do some really good stuff. And for to allow God to do really good stuff through us, I guess is the better way to say that. So this morning we're talking about what does it look like to worship God, to rewire our brains to think that worship is more than just singing the songs, or gathering, that actually worship is about obedience. And so we're going to start with um, James chapter 1, verse 22. I'm going to read a bunch of different scriptures that talks about this. But first we're going to start with the fact that we're actually called to obedience. And all these scriptures, except for, uh, um, Bill, don't freak out, there may be one that's not in there. Um, I have a question mark by it because I don't know if I'm going to bring it up. There will only be one. But James one twenty two, 
This is, remember James, he was the brother of Jesus, or the half-brother of Jesus, I guess is probably a better way to say that. But here's James. And this is what he said, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now James was the half-brother of Jesus, but he was also the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So like the biggest church, the one that had the most influence. This is this guy he's saying, do not just hear these words and just deceive yourselves. I don't know why we don't read this a lot more because there was a lot of my upbringing in a Christian church where, I mean, I was taught, I used to have a little flip book. I probably do somewhere in a box around this building somewhere. But I used to have a little, like a binder, but it was only about, it was about half the size of this Bible. And inside of it was index cards that had two holes punched in. I could put them on there. And I had scriptures written down on one side and the reference on the other. And I, that was my memory verses when I was in college. And I had like a stack of them. I don't know how many it was I remember. But, you know, some guy that I was friends with, he was kind of encouraging me to do that. And he was kind of helping to disciple me a little bit. And it was great. I'm not, I'm not degrading that because it's great that you can, in a moment, kind of be able to call up scripture. But... James would have a little more to say to that. You know, how about spend less time memorizing and more time obeying? Do not merely be, do not be deceived because you hear the words and think that that's good. I know what it says. You guys have heard me say this analogy before, but if my kids know I told them to clean the room and they don't do it, I'm not going to be excited that they remembered what I told them. And that's, we have a Heavenly Father who's given us some instruction and so, James said, don't just be. So we have, we have a call to that. But not only from the half-brother of Jesus, but we also have that same call from, from Jesus himself. So if we flip over to John, if you don't want to do all the flipping, they will be up there. But John chapter 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying a lot of stuff right before he, he, he um, goes to the cross. And John 12 through 17 are some of my favorite scriptures. Um, but... In verse 23 of John 14, Jesus says this. Um, and, and actually, he's saying this in response. So this part isn't up here, but let me just read the question that Jesus is responding to. Judas, and, he, and it clarifies it's not Judas Iscariot. says, but Lord, then why do you tend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Interesting question. Well, it's an obvious question. Like, why are you just, like, if you're this good, why are you just revealing yourself to us? Why not just, anybody ever thought that? I mean, I used to think that as a kid. It's like, why not just, like, if God's this powerful, he can just do something everybody's going to know, right? Revelation will be fulfilled. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. They'll see it. They'll know it. It won't be, it'll be odd. Why don't you just do that? That's the question that this, that this uh, Judas is asking. And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. I'm going to keep reading. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, but they belong to the Father who sent me. Implication, if you love Jesus, we're going to obey Him. Now, I would be, uh, if I was Jews, I'd be like, okay, but I ask you a question. 
Um, so how about the answer to that? Here's my thought. I think the implication that Jesus had, and this was his response to that question, anyone who loves me will obey what I command. What does the world look like if the believers, if the church community worldwide, let's just take this microcosm. What does is, what is easily look like if all the churches in easily just obeyed what this book said? I mean, to a T, just care for the orphans and widows, love their neighbors as themselves, forgave their people who were mad at them, or who they were mad at, I guess is a better way to put their enemies, uh, served people, uh, preached the gospel in Christ's cruise. Like, what if, what if, what does that then begin to look like? And I, and I think all of us, even though we don't, we're in that community, we don't want to say, well, we don't love God and we do what he Nobody's going to understand that because my pool is to say, well, hey, hang on a second. I'm not that bad. If I believe the Bible, I am, and I need God. And so anytime I can do it on my own, I don't, right? So I'm constantly in need of God. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Like, if you guys just, if you love me, you obey what I command. And if you obey what I command, then the world does see me. Then the world does begin to. So we have this call to obedience. We see it from James. There's, other, there's tons of places we could have gone. But I just picked those two. But they basically say the same thing. If we love Jesus, if we're a disciple of his, if, if you're going to follow Jesus, don't just hear the words, do what they say. If you love me, you will obey me. And I, and I also think that's why in John 1, uh, or in First John 1, he tells us if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just for you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I used to have a guy uh, who would come to me and be like, well, you only need to confess once in your life. That's to be saved. Well, if that's true, I don't think that's true, personally. I think for salvation, I don't believe that you can lose that, but I also think I constantly need to confess because Jesus just said, if you love me, you obey what I command. And I know that on a weekly basis, there are things that Jesus tells me to do that I don't obey. Implication, if Jesus wasn't stuttering, if he meant what he said, in that moment, I didn't love Jesus more than I loved whatever it was I did. So I need to confess, God, I messed up. Natalie texted me the other day and, uh, she said that she felt, I don't even remember where she was at. I kind of remember the situation a little bit, but I, but I do remember her response. Um, but she felt like she was supposed to give somebody 20 bucks. I don't know why 20 bucks. I don't even remember who it was. I don't remember. do not remember the situation one bit. Uh, and she said, I didn't do it. And now I'm going to hell. <laughs> that was her response. I, was like, I don't think it's that bad. But there is this need. There is this to be able to constantly be able to come to God and confess, God, in this moment, I did not believe that you were good. In this moment, I didn't trust that you would take care of me. In this moment, I did not love you because I, you know, whatever it is. And so I think that we have grace there, but we still have this call to obedience. It doesn't, just because we have the grace in there doesn't give us a free pass, right? Then we see in Scripture that there is some effectiveness that when we are obedient, like things kind of, so I want you to flip over Proverbs 10, 
verse 17. I'm going to flip over to Proverbs 10, 17 as well, instead of 17, 10, which is where I was just at. All right. Whoever heeds discipline. So this is in the middle of Proverbs. The writer says, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Hopefully. And I know this desire resides in a lot of people because we've had conversations. Um... We've had conversations in elders' meetings. We've had side conversations in hallways and around the table. I mean, there's a lot of people in here who want us to be a community that leads other people to Christ, right? That helps reveal the goodness of God to those who don't yet believe in Him. And in such a way, that the Holy Spirit comes into our life and changes them. And one of the things that the writer of Proverbs seems to say is that as we heed these words, that will actually help lead other people to that, right? Whoever heeds discipline, whoever is in obedience, where do we put that? Leads other people to life, shows the way to life. But whoever ignores that correction leads other people astray. So we do know that there's this effectiveness to that obedience. And I'm certain if we took the time this morning, many of you could share stories of that in your life where you were just following Christ and, and somebody followed along with you. The good news is we don't have to do anything other than be obedient. I used to think when I was a kid, you had to be really well-spoken. You had to have effective words. You had to have the right defense. You had to know what scripture to go to to refute somebody's opinion or whatever it was. Like I had all these things built up in my brain about what that looked like. But all we need to do is just follow Christ and let God do the work. There's this, uh, Tom Conlon was here a couple weeks ago, and he shared with me this book. James, have you read it at all yet? He shared it with James, too. And it's kind of a wild story. Um... And I haven't finished it all, but it was, it's called The Salvation on Sand Mountain, and it is about a wartime um, journalist. And it's a, it's a, it's a nonfiction. He's, you know, he's just kind of a biographical kind of thing, a memoir type thing. And he's doing a report for his paper on the um, snake handling churches in northern Alabama. And so he's sitting in the back, like just kind of, Write notes and taking this thing all in. But what begins to happen? Now, I don't agree with their theology. I don't, I would, if any of you guys are ever bringing a snake in here, I'm gone. Like, this ain't gonna hang around for that. I'll come back in when it's gone. James would be right behind me because I've seen James around snakes before. We had a black, uh, I was the intermediary for the snake and he did make it up to the woods and to keep all of our rats away. But, I'm not going to be handling any poison states, I guarantee you that. But they also preach the Bible in there, and they read Scripture. And the interesting thing about the stories is this guy just thinks these people are crackpots, and that's a different conversation for another day. But God begins to grab his heart a little bit as he's hearing Scriptures over and over. And it wasn't the effectiveness, because what he really 
went into was thinking, this, these people are crazy. This whole thing is crazy, and I'm going to get a good story out of it. And I'm sure he did. I don't, I don't know. But what he also got out of it was the salvation that God kind of captured him. And it really wasn't because of anything these folks were doing because he thought they were off their rocker. But the Bible says that you're not going to send the word out and it's going to come back void. Like, it's going to bring fruit. And so the beautiful part is our obedience is just that. It's just our obedience. And let God do the, the stuff. It makes it real easy for us. We've made it a little bit hard sometimes. I remember when I was a kid, they used to, like the way in which you would lead somebody to Christ. And it was a whole thing. It was really hard. And I was like, I don't know that I can. Man, how great is that? So we have this call to obedience. We know that that obedience is effective. If we believe the scripture, I mean, when, honestly, when we come here and we open the Bible, we kind of start with that presupposition that we believe what's in here. And then we also see the promise of the obedience. And so I'm going to flip back over to 1 John. Chapter 2, verse 17, John says this. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. That we have this promise that these acts of obedience will draw us in this place where all this other stuff passes away. But we'll live. That's the hope that we carry inside of us. That's the hope that we carry with us when life gets hard. If it never gets better, there is this hope that all this stuff's going to pass away. Those of us who do the will of God will live forever. That's the hope. If you have family members or you know people, or maybe you yourself have any sort of physical or mental illness, it may never get better here. But the hope that we carry with us is that it will. Now, we pray that it will, and we certainly see miraculous stuff, and we trust and we'll never quit praying that God will do the unbelievably miraculous thing to heal people right now. But we also know that that doesn't always happen. There were people who died when Jesus was walking on the face of the earth who did not rise again. In fact, we only have a count of a couple people. And aside from Jesus, none of them are around anymore today. So they eventually succumbed to this. But we do carry this hope with us. All this stuff will pass away, but those who do the will of God live forever. This is a promise of that obedience. And then from Jesus' own words in Matthew, and this is kind of towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to end with, with this, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is what? It's like the wise man who built his house on the rocks. Did I not have that one in there, Bill? Oh, okay. I saw you waving. I didn't know if I messed something up. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rocks. The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on that rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We said it a couple weeks ago, I'll say it again now, that this obedience to God, this hearing God's word and actually doing what it says, building our house on the rock, it does not make us crisis proof. I mean, it doesn't make us crisis free. The winds still come. The rain still comes just because we get. But it does make us crisis proof. But just because we get it, it's not going to take us. Because we have a hope that's more than just that. And so part of our worship of God lies in our obedience to Him. Now, if we keep tracking this back, our obedience reveals our trust, right? God's faithfulness often leads us to songs and singing. Our trust that this book is true leads us to open scripture. Like all these things are intertwined. This whole thing of worship is not just... And when we start talking about that, man, it really seems silly. The view that I had in my head as a child growing up in church that worship was the first 30 minutes. I went to a charismatic church, so it was 30 minutes. Uh, and my dad would never show up. He's like, we're only going to miss worship. And that would be the language that was said, right? I mean, it was just kind of, and it really, I mean, you start to get into that. It's like, all that stuff is so intertwined. And, and yeah, I can sing great songs to God, but if I don't obey Him, am I worshiping Him? If I don't trust Him, am I worshiping Him? If I don't actually, you know, Reveal these things. If I don't sing, if I just sing the good songs, but I don't live them, if I don't hear them, if I don't, I'm not moved by them. If I don't trust that those songs are true for my life, is any of that worship? And it really kind of begins to shape and change the way that we think of that. So one of the things that we're going to do in the coming weeks is take some of those elements that we've talked about over the last seven weeks and actually just okay, let's just do that. It may be serving somebody in the community. It may not be. Maybe we'll organize it in a different way. Maybe it'll be on a different day other than Sunday. Maybe it'll be on Sunday. I don't know. Uh, we're still talking through some of that. But um, what I do know is, as a church, we don't have a lot to offer. And I don't mean that because of the size and the resources. I mean, we don't have anything to offer other than Jesus. But if we can offer that, and we can allow Jesus to just lead us and we're obedient to that, that is the most effective that we can ever be and ever hope to be. And so that's true for us as, a, as Mosaic and it's true for us as individuals. That's the only thing we can do is that He is crucified and there is hope that lay, that comes from that. And there's all kinds of ways we can do that. Uh, last night, for us, it was throwing a party in our neighborhood for Halloween. And uh, inviting all our neighbors over, not just the ones who believe that... Because Halloween's one of those funny holidays anyway. We're <laughs> inviting all the Christians over. That's kind of a weird time to say that, right? Uh, we just carved pumpkins and had chili and opened up our home. and uh, It was for everybody. And so for us, that was one way to do that. For other people, there's other ways. 
And for us, there's other ways. We just, in the, in the moment, what does it look like for us just to be obedient right then? Uh, that is what we're praying for. That is what we're seeking. And that is what we hope to attain as, a, as individuals and as a church is just to be obedient to Christ in the moment. And it frees us from having to worry about anything else, results or anything. And it's just, kind of, I've been obedient to you. I've been faithful to you. We can be like Eleazar in Second Samuel. God did not ask him to defeat an entire army. He was asking to be faithful. And that's what he was. Now, because of that, he did defeat an entire army by himself. But he was just being faithful to what his call was, even if it meant death. And it looked like it was going to. God was faithful in that. So, we have those promises and we have those stories. Um, but the way the encouragement this week, the way that we want to worship Jesus is just through the obedience. And one way that we do that is just constantly remembering that story of that Jesus came, that he died, that he took on our sin, and because of that we can live redeemed lives, that we can live in freedom from all the boneheaded mistakes we ever made. And so that's one reason we come to the table every week. And so this morning, after we pray, we're going to sing a couple more songs. The table will be open. Uh, it's already there. It's already set. Christ said it. So all are welcome to come and remember what it is that Jesus has done. Let's pray. God, you uh, love us better than we can love ourselves. And you are good. And you are faithful. And you have given us good things. And you've given us family that we can lean into here. That we can share our burdens with, that we can laugh with, that we can cry with. That we can hope and dream with. And God, we're thankful so much for that. We're also thankful that you give us this scripture that constantly reminds us constantly draws us back because we're left to ourselves we forget very very quickly and then we open up your scripture and you draw us right back to to you and so thank you for doing that thank you that we can come and confess all the times that we lack belief thank you for that promise that follows that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us all in righteousness. God, this morning, my prayer for all of us, including myself, is that you reveal to us where we have been less than obedient. God, that we can repent of that. That we're never too far away. You always give multiple chances, and we're thankful, so thankful for that. God, would you show us as individuals, as a church, what it looks like to be obedient to you? What are you calling us to? What are you putting down at our feet that we can use or that you can use through us to show yourself to the world? God, we love you. We're thankful. And God, we ask that you would be with all the folks 
that we care about so deeply. God, we lift up Terry to you this morning. We pray that you would um, make the way God, that any surgery is able to still take place on November 4th. God, that any of the heart stuff that may be bringing roadblocks to that, God, that, that you would remove that. God, we pray for Naaman. Thank you that you've given news that there's likely not going to be a complete amputation of his fingers. It may still be a little bit, but uh, God, we're thankful. Uh, we're thankful for the progress. We're thankful for the surprise that the doctors had to see the progress. God, you are a surprising God, and we're thankful. Um, God, continue to heal. God, Miss, Miss Norma and Willie are both dealing with aging parents who have decisions that need to be made. Arrangements that need to take place. God, we know that you care about all aspects of our life, and so we pray for your hand to be in those areas as well. God, we pray for those neighbors of Mosaic Church who are either business park neighbors or neighbors who live in the residences around us that don't know you. Would you let us be a light in that darkness? Would you be that light in that darkness and let us have a, a, a piece of that uh, happening, God, that you would bless us in a, such a way that we could uh, have a part in that. We're so thankful that uh, what you've given us, and we ask that this morning as we seek obedience, that, that you would move our hearts, that you would stir us. As we come to the table, as we sing songs, as we leave from here, God, would you continue to stir our hearts on what it looks like to be obedient to you. Um, in ways that maybe we haven't considered yet. We love you, God, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.